Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from U.S. Outpost number 31, discussing the 1982 horror classic, The Thing. This film was directed by horror icon John Carpenter off a screenplay by Bill Lancaster. It is the second film adaptation of John W. Campbell's novella, Who Goes There?, sticking somewhat closer to the source material than the 1951 Howard Hawks adaptation, The Thing from Another World. Surprisingly, the film was initially released to poor critical and box office reception, but public opinion on the film has shifted over the decades. With Carpenter's signature style, out-of-this-world special effects from then-22-year-old Rob Bottin, fantastic performances from the cast, and a foreboding score by the legendary Ennio Morricone, the film is now widely considered one of the best and most influential in the horror genre. This film is by far our most recommended, and it was suggested to us by friends of the show Will Dunn, Chris Ontiveros, Fernando Dominguez, Michael Newding, and Claire Sutton. Thank you all for the suggestion. So, The Thing. What were your first impressions on the film? Again, I know I always say that I can't really remember watching, like when I first, first seen the movie, <laughs> but... Uh, I know I seen this movie a long time ago when I was younger because I remember it scared the shit out of me, <laughs> and uh, still watching it now. Oh yeah, like it's great. Yes, like it's like holy shit, that looks badass. <laughs> it's a movie that you can still go back and watch, and then still be surprised at how good it looks. Yeah, like the uh, the effects are like super good. They're insane. Like, yeah, <laughs> everything looks badass. Not like in your face, but it's like that could be happening right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where. Practical effects, you know, I've watched movies that were made like 10 years ago and right. they already feel dated yeah. with the yeah. effects. But when you're actually having actors on set with the thing that they're afraid of, yeah, yeah. how can it not be real still? And bad CGI can ruin a movie oh, too. Absolutely. Yeah. But that was, of course, not a problem with no, this at yeah, all. No, no. Practical effects always win yeah. over any kind of CGI. Even if it's good CGI, right. I would rather see practical effects. And how, 100%. Old, how old did you say the guy was? 22? 22. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, that's that's talent. That yeah. dude, that shit looks bad. Yeah. He, he did the howling before this. Oh, that's shit. That's insane. Yeah, and he had said that he was working seven days a week on the thing for right. an entire year. And it was so bad that he actually went to the hospital after this film wrapped. Oh, <laughs> jeez! <laughs> yeah, he well, put it his. Paid off. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I can't remember the first time <laughs> I saw this either, but I know that it blew my mind, yeah. and it blows my mind every time I've watched it since. Yeah, I know. You said when we were watching it for the show. You're like, I got to stop watching the movie. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't taking any notes. I was just, just watching, watching it. it. And I was like, well, I need to be working, yeah. not just enjoying this movie. But Can you rewind it? 45 minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just start the whole thing over. Yeah. But I think that shows how good it is. Mm -hmm. That even after having seen it, even after knowing what happens, you're yeah. still riveted the whole time. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I watched this, I want to say that I watched it with our dad. Mm -hmm. I don't know that mom watched it with us, but it literally, it did. It blew my mind just yeah. like you. I was disgusted. Yes. Like <laughs> I had never been at a movie before, but right. I loved yeah. <laughs> every second of being disgusted. And it's just one of those movies for me that you could throw this on immediately after having finished it. I yeah. will watch it oh, no, for yeah. sure. all the yeah. way through again. 
But I think that's what's so crazy is to hear that it was not only poorly received at the box office, but poorly received among critics and audiences. Yeah, that's that's really weird. The movie, I guess they they made it for fifteen million uh-huh. and only got nineteen point six out of it. And I I didn't know until preparing for this right. episode that people didn't like it. Yeah, I, like I, I had no either. idea. It's just so I'm weird. Like, doesn't make any sense. Why? Like I don't understand. I read on IMDb that it was released two weeks after ET. Right. Uh, and so they were like, well, maybe people weren't wanting a nihilistic alien movie. They well, wanted I mean, the Reese's Pieces. Wow. <laughs> you had your pick of alien movies that yeah, year, right? first of all. But um, I also read that Ennio Morricone was nominated for a Razzie for the score. That's unbelievable. And then he went yeah. on to win an Oscar for The Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. But And sidebar, that's one thing about the far-reaching influence of this movie is The Hateful Eight is basically the thing if it were a Western. <laughs> it is right down to Kurt Russell. Yeah, oh, seriously. Wow. But I was reading about this movie, about the production of it, and it kind of surprised me to read that initially the person that they wanted to direct this was Toby Hooper. Holy shit. Off a script from him and Kim Henkel. Oh, my God. So it was reteaming Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. That would have been an interesting take, I it, think. It would have been. Yeah. The producers read the script and immediately <laughs> threw it in the garbage because... <laughs> Toby Hooper wanted to make it a slapstick comedy. No. With horror elements. And they're like, this would have been fucking horrible. And so schedules just lined up with Carpenter to make it. But the thing was, is that Carpenter didn't want to make it. He, if you recall, when we covered Halloween, it was playing on on the television. He had such a high level of respect for this film. He's like, I don't want to fuck it up. But he said the one thing that he wanted to improve on was how unremarkable the creature was in the original. And I think him and Rob Bottin... They took care of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Problem solved. Toby Hooper, though. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. Like, why are there so many meat hooks in the South Coast? (laughs) (laughs) The aliens just leather face. (laughs) Just green. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Now, before we infiltrate and imitate this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's assimilate. So the film begins with low hums of synth that slowly grow as it accompanies the opening credits. Interesting note about the opening credits, it says a universal picture but does not show the universal logo. The reason is because the universal logo is the planet Earth, which also begins the film. Oh, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> so they they apparently really wanted their logo and they're like, well, what if we zoom past our logo and then we're in space? And Carpenter was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we then get a view of the stars in space as we see what appears to be an alien spacecraft going a little topsy-turvy, burning up as it enters the Earth's atmosphere. I was like, a UFO off the rip? Like, yeah. yeah. That's how we're starting the movie? <laughs> I yeah, I didn't even remember this. And really? Then, yeah, I didn't remember. And then we were watching, and I was like, the Holy f- shit. Yeah. Actually, I forget every time. Yes. Yeah. No joke. I'm like, we start in Antarctica. No, we don't. Yeah, I was no. like, is this UFO pictures? Is this a logo? Like <laughs> The way things are yeah. now. Yeah. But, no, I didn't remember it either. No, it's nuts. But we see a title card, and it says, John Carpenter's The Thing. Now... I love this title card so much. Yeah. And according to a making of documentary, the title was created using an animation cell with the thing written on it, a fish tank, a light, a garbage bag, 
and fire. <laughs> well, it worked. Yeah. It <laughs> I mean, it's Whatever incredible. Whatever the hell they did, it worked. It's just having that effect of the title burning blue right. yeah. onto the screen. Yeah. It looks crazy. And hearing it, that sound is pretty yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's basically down to the font, the exact same opening as the 1951 version. That's interesting. Yeah. You wouldn't think that they would have been able to do. Yeah. Then I guess, Not in the 50s. But I guess oh, all tra- you need is a yeah, trash, trash bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all had trash bags. But we then get a title card that reads, Antarctica, winter, 1982. We get a shot of a helicopter flying over the Antarctic landscape. It's honestly just incredible cinematography throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's Dean Cundy is a cinematographer, once again teamed up with Carpenter for this film after they collaborated on Halloween and The Fog. So it's just like a dream team yeah. all no, over it's, again. It's oh, great. Yeah. To my understanding, this is actually Alaska that they're filming in mm. and British Columbia. They kind of use both those locations. But while a lot of this was filmed, especially the exteriors mm-hmm. on location, they relocated a lot of the interior sets to California, where they climate controlled the sets to, according to Kurt Russell, 31 degrees. Good yeah. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. He says that they would film on set at 31 degrees and then have to go outside to have lunch, and it's where like it's 110. Yeah. <laughs> he said everybody got sick. Well, yeah, I bet. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. But the shot alternates between extreme long shots and closer shots of the co-pilot searching the area with binoculars. We hear Ennio Morricone's pulsing theme music as we see an Alaskan Malamute dog running his absolute ass off through the snow. He is running like a bat out of hell. He is. I am worried for him. I'm like, why why do they want you so bad? (laughs) But the dog stops to turn around and he sees the helicopters gaining on him. So he takes off again. It's like too fast. (laughs) Can't catch me, kappa. As they chase after the dog, the co-pilot pulls out a rifle and starts shooting at it. All the shots are misses, though. Again, too fast. Yeah. (laughs) As we've established... I think the dog was like running zigzag routes and shit. (laughs) The firing passenger in the helicopter is actually the first assistant director, Larry Franco. Oh, cool. And I found out on the commentary that he was actually Kurt Russell's brother-in-law at the time. (laughs) The hell? (laughs) He was married to his sister. And he's just flat flat out making up Norwegian because he doesn't speak it. So he's he's like Bergsdorf and shit, like making up. It's probably very offensive. Wow. I'd be like, can you just give me a few like right. phonetic sounds? Yeah. Or just hire a Norwegian person. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Either way. Well, Kurt Russell's brother-in-law was a Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you can see the bind they're in. Yeah. But we eventually see a sign for United States National Science Institute Station 4. A bit clunky. <laughs> Not the best name. Could have had a zippier name. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But it's an American research facility in the Arctic. Inside the station, we see men enjoying some recreation time with ping pong, a guitar, magazines, and a pinball machine. They got a good setup. Yeah. yeah. In his shack, we see R.J. McCready, played by the always fantastic Kurt Russell. All the love to Kurt Russell. Absolutely. Yesterday, mm-hmm. today, tomorrow. Forever. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> but he's in his shack, and he's pouring himself a whiskey on the rocks and playing a game of chess with a very primitive <laughs> computer. <laughs> the voice on the computer... Interestingly, is provided by the icon, Adrian Barbeau, yeah. who was married to John Carpenter at the time. That's so cool. <laughs> and is technically the only woman in the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back to McCready, who is getting his absolute ass kicked <laughs> by this chess machine. 
he loses, dumps his whiskey into the computer, and calls it a cheating bitch. He didn't have to do the computer Sore like loser, that. Sore loser, man. Come yeah. on. Well, my thing now was... Now you can never play. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. How much longer are you out here? What if someone's like, man, I can't wait to go play chess later? No. <laughs> Fucking McCready no, you ruined can't. it. Yeah. We're then taken back outside as the helicopter and the dog have both made their way to the American station. McCready steps outside and puts on his sunglasses to watch the helicopter circle around the base. Elsewhere on the base, more men observe the helicopter as it's going around. Palmer, played by David Clinton, asks Childs, played by Keith David, what's going on. Childs says that the helicopter said Norge on the side, to which Norris, played by Charles Hallahan, says it means that the helicopter is Norwegian. Also present is Binnings, played by Peter Maloney, who, as I said, is also there. <laughs> <laughs> He's there, too. Yeah. So the helicopter circles back around with the dog in sight. The passenger pulls an actual grenade, pulls the pin, and tosses it out with the explosion narrowly <laughs> missing the dog. Yeah. Hey, what's his deal with the dog? <laughs> Damn. Jesus. He's more of a cat person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the helicopter lands as McCready joins the four other men outside. The dog runs up to Bennings like, help. He does. He like, he like hugs him. Yeah. It's like, man, am I glad to see you? <laughs> but we see the Norwegian passenger step out of the helicopter and pull the pin on another grenade. Things go awry, though, when the grenade slips from his butterfingers, landing right behind him. It's like, what a rookie move. Man. He's like, whoops. <laughs> so is he going to blow them up? I um, guess so. To get the dog, because right, the because, dog is with them. Yeah, that grenade is not like a magnet to the dog. It's gonna hurt everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I literally never thought about that. The grenade is not selective. No, indiscriminate. But the passenger tries to cover the grenade in snow as the pilot curses and runs off with the rifle. The passenger and the helicopter explode in a ball of fire. Can you imagine if you're those guys? Like we were just chilling and like playing pinball 10 minutes yeah. ago, three I, minutes ago. Yeah. We do not remember the score of the ping pong game from here. <laughs> Our morning is ruined. But the pilot screams in actual Norwegian at the man because he was Norwegian <laughs> as the dog is licking Benning's face. Eventually, the time for talk is over and he shoots at the dog, missing yet again and hitting Benning's in the leg. He continues shooting as the men dive out of the way, but inside the station, Gary, played by Donald Moffat, breaks out one of the windows with a handgun, aiming at the pilot and shooting him right in the head, killing him. Well, I mean, what would you do? What can you do? This guy just dropped out of the sky throwing fucking grenades. <laughs> right? and... He was trying to hurt that dog. Yeah, well, and he uh, shot Bennings. And he'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. Yeah, Stay away from wound, the damn dog. It was a scratch. <laughs> So McCready does go check on Bennings, who says he's okay before taking a big swig of McCready's whiskey, <laughs> which I did not see him bring out. He did bring out. He yeah. took a sip. That's right. <laughs> he came prepared. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Like this whole thing happens. Oh, yeah. Like in moments. Yeah. It really does. The one thing I think we can all agree on, though, is that dog is beautiful. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, yeah. Yes. That is a gorgeous fucking I dog. I want a dog like him. So not, cute. Well, not, no, not, no, that. not like him. And we'll discuss that later. Yeah. But... <laughs> Also, that dog's name is Jed, and he should have gotten all the awards for this movie. Dude, Carpenter <laughs> commended his performance <laughs> like, on the commentary. He was like, this dog is amazing. <laughs> he had, like, nuances. Yeah. Right, he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. There was emotion behind his eyes. Like, I believe that dog. That dog was actually a dog. Right, it was real. <laughs> but the men rush over to put out the flaming wreckage of the helicopter with Childs and Windows played by Thomas Waits, not Tom Waits, but... Oh, oh that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be really interesting. <laughs> but they put out the fire with fire extinguishers. Clark, played by Richard Masseur, 
soothes the dog who watches the men work. Clark's like, easy, easy, easy. But his mouth says none of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they in post, they were like, we need you. You have <laughs> to say something. Yeah, they need to know you would enjoy the dog's presence. <laughs> but all the men gather around the helicopter as the smoke clears with McCready sarcastically remarking, first goddamn week of winter. Well. Inside, Dr. Copper, played by Richard Dysart, stitches up Binning's leg. They speculate on what could have driven the Norwegians to chase and shoot the dog from the helicopter. And they're like, I don't know, you know, cabin fever, all kinds of things. But in this scene, I noticed, does Copper have his nose pierced? Yes. <laughs> I I told your sister that. I was like, hold on, hold on. He literally re- rewound it to see <laughs> if that dude's nose was pierced. I was surprised because he doesn't seem like no, the guy that no. would. A loop. Yeah, but I was like, hey, good for him. Yeah. No, yeah. I was like, he's a fucking pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I mean, I understand that cabin fever can make people do crazy things, mm-hmm. but I would still be scared of that dog, personally. You'd be scared of the dog? They almost blew us up trying to kill that dog. I was like, I mean, I oh, don't know. Yeah. I, would, know I, I would be wary of it. I don't think I would have even connected that. I'd be like, man, those guys are crazy. <laughs> Come here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Throw a ball. I don't Let know. Let me give you tummy rubs. <laughs> <laughs> But elsewhere in the station, Windows is trying to use the radio to make contact to report the incident, but he has no luck. Dr. Blair, played by Wilford Brimley, gets on his case telling him that he needs to make contact. Windows is like, motherfucker, I haven't been able to make contact in weeks. <laughs> this changes nothing. Uh, no. He's not happy. No. no. He's like he loses super his mad, mind. Yeah. To me, it's like telling someone to drive faster when they're driving as fast yeah. as they can. It's like, what the fuck else do this you... This is maximum what I can Ex- do. Yes. But we then follow Nalls, played by TK Carter, as he skates through the hallway and into the room where the pilot's dead body is being kept. He suggests that the U.S. might be at war with Norway. We get a... <laughs> Shot of the pilot's wound, which looks fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Gary's a crack shot, man. Yeah, no notice. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> so I have been preparing for this all my yeah. life. <laughs> Breaking That's the window. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah. damn. I was like, he got him right away. <laughs> yeah. He was red. In the yeah. eye, eyeball. <laughs> he yeah. was Mick ready. <laughs> but Palmer makes a snide remark saying he was wondering when Gary was going to get to use his gun, which Gary pays no mind to. Like at all. No <laughs> what response. What does that even mean? I don't know. It's like, whatever. But Fuchs, played by Joel Polis, says the Norwegians have been at their station for eight weeks, which Gary says isn't long enough to go stir-crazy. Knowles disagrees, though, saying five minutes would be enough to drive someone crazy in Antarctica. Which, yeah. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I mean, no civilization? I mean... Yeah, there's nothing around them. What's the population of Antarctica? Like, five? (laughs) It's just them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Fuchs says that with these two dead, there should be eight Norwegians left at the station and Copper suggests that they go check it out. Palmer volunteers to join, but is quickly shot down. I'm not sure why. I don't know. <laughs> like, what do we not know? I thought he was, like, suggesting they go in that uh, that truck or the little bobcat they had there. That's why oh, that's they why told they him no. no. I thought it was him personally. They're like, Palmer can't go. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can see No, I thought ass. he was trying to drive him in there. Like, we're not driving <laughs> over there, fool. Well, that, that makes more sense. <laughs> All right. It's less mean. Right. Yeah. All I, I like this scene because you get that they have really good rapport. Right. Yeah. Right. And like they don't hate each other. They give each other a hard time. It's just dudes no, being yeah. dudes. Yeah. You know, uh, and great chemistry between all the actors. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one thing, too, that really did like I did enjoy about this movie. Mm-hmm. They feel like actual friends or co-workers or like. Yeah. They're comfortable with each other. Like you said, they're giving each other 
bullshit and whatever, <laughs> but you know they don't mean it. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Oh, there no, is. Yeah. And I feel like the number of them would have made it really easy for them to all fa- fall into like tropey roles, like right. a fucking boy band. Like he's the mean one. He's the sensitive yeah. one. He's the, it's like, no, they all feel like real people. Like yeah. they're not caricatures. And they don't run into each other to where you're no. like, oh, well, we already have one of, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. <laughs> we already have a McCready, <laughs> you know, they're each unique. But outside, Gary tells McCready to get his gear on and accompany them to the Norwegian base. Really fly them because he's the helicopter pilot. Yeah. But once he gets his gear on, they head over to the helicopter and McCready starts expressing concerns about the trip. So Copper leaves it up to him and McCready reluctantly agrees to pilot them there. Yeah. Well, they they show like a little shot of like a couple of them and they Mm -hmm. all look pretty uneasy about it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's good reason because yeah. you don't know what you're flying into. And if you're flying there to be like, hey, two of your guys are dead. They're like, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, where does it go now, from there? Yeah, yeah, what happens after that? Especially if they don't speak the language. Now no, there's yeah. a barrier. So Which you're the, like, what the guys is... that came didn't. Yeah. So now yeah. we're now we're at war with. Them. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I said that a lot of this was shot in California, the interiors. But some scenes like this one were actually shot outside during a real snowstorm in Alaska and British Columbia. And obviously that caused all kinds of troubles with the crew. Yeah. They said something about on the commentary, John Carpenter said that they were flying to set in helicopters Uh and they got caught in a whiteout in a helicopter. Like, I do not want to die for this movie. (laughs) Although this would be a good movie to die for. (laughs) Right. Just saying. But inside the rec room, Nalls is watching from the window, and he's surprised that they're actually heading out. But Palmer says McCready knows what he's doing, which kind of, to me, sets up their respect for McCready very early on. But the camera dips down below the ping pong table where we see that the dog is lying underneath. He's staring at the window as we hear the blades of the helicopter kick into gear, but he looks like he has shifty eyes. The do- I was literally about to say he's like the, you know, the big eyes emoji. That's yeah. like, mm. like, that's yeah. literally what he's doing. Like he's concerned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, this dog is a great he's actor. Like, this is sus. <laughs> <laughs> but we watch as the helicopter takes off and McCready is now wearing... A cartoonishly large hat, <laughs> and I feel like nobody talks about it. Yeah, he's got like a Yosemite Sam yeah. hat on. <laughs> the hat should have been credited. Honestly. Oh yeah. So I'm like, I'm not a hat guy. So maybe this is the best hat that ever was. I don't know. I don't know hats. <laughs> it's a statement for I, sure. Yeah, it's a conversation piece. <laughs> I love hats, but that hat's <laughs> pretty big. <laughs> That's a pretty big hat. The helicopter, I think, was over capacity. Yeah, all these alarms start going off. <laughs> I heard on the commentary, Kurt Russell is like, nobody's looking in a later scene. He's like, nobody's looking at anything but that hat. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting thing about this takeoff is that the real pilot is sitting in the passenger seat operating secondary controls. But Kurt Russell flew at some point during this takeoff scene. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> That'd be terrifying. Yeah, I would never do that. No. <laughs> he goes, uh, you see it jerk erratically there? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> But Gary waves goodbye as the helicopter flies out of sight, and we get one more shot of the dog under the table, looking pensive this time. <laughs> it's like shit's about to pop off. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, Nalls is blasting Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Bennings appeals to him, asking him to turn it down, saying, I'm trying to rest. I was shot today. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a fucking break, man. And Nalls just like feigns like he he's turning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Bennings isn't there to see that. That was just for him. <laughs> 
the song is funky as hell. It's a great song. Of course. But it's oddly fitting considering that the subject matter of the movie is basically about belief, mm-hmm. fear, you know, just saying, just no, want to point good. that out. Yeah. But as the music continues, we follow the dog down a hallway and he stops in the doorway of a room where we see a man's shadow against the wall. The shadow turns to face the doorway as the dog enters the room and we fade to black. I love everything about that shot mm-hmm. because it's so quiet and like somehow ominous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I saw that John Carpenter hired a whole separate actor to sit there and then turn so hmm. that nobody would know who that yeah. was. That's really cool. Yeah. Nobody, you know, because yeah. it I, wasn't any of them. No. Yeah. <laughs> But in the next scene, we see McCready and Copper flying over the snow in the mountains of Antarctica. Through the windows of the chopper, we can see black smoke bellowing from the Norwegian station. Not good. No, that would be no. horrifying. Just go yeah. back, Mac. Yeah, just yeah. turn around. Just what turn are you going to find? Just leave. Nothing good. No. That's for damn sure. Interesting thing about this set, we'll get into at the end. No spoilers until then. It's a great way to save money and a great way to... Okay. Yeah. But McCready brings the chopper around and he lands right out front. From a window inside, we see McCready and Copper heading inside, Mac with the shotgun at the ready. Once inside, the men call out, asking if anybody's there. They're braver than me, because I wouldn't have even gone in there. Oh, no. There's no... Some bad shit happened here. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. I feel like that's all we need to know. I'd be like, I'll guard outside with the shotgun. Copper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be in the helicopter, flying home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I cast myself <laughs> as McCready in that situation. <laughs> But the two men do go deeper inside, noticing a large hole in the wall as they take off their sunglasses and giant hats. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing on, they stumble upon a bloody axe that has been lodged into a door. Again, just bad sign after bad sign. Leave. Get out of there. Yeah. Mm -mm. They bust the door open and pass some ice-covered machinery. McCready finds a lantern. While he's adding that to his inventory... Copper notices a trail of blood and follows it with a flashlight to a frozen corpse sitting in a chair. What happened? Like <laughs> I, I don't know. I would be terrified. They're ha- they're all handling this better than I would have. No, I wouldn't oh, no. have gone that inside. dude's blood was frozen. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm not like, doing any no, of no, 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 no. But, but the music is excellent right here. Oh, it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Copper calls McCready over and they investigate the body. It's a man, and not only is his throat slashed with a look of agony on his face. But his wrists are both cut, and he's holding a straight razor in his hand. Like you said, the blood is frozen at his wrist, hanging in the air as well, which I don't know is physically possible or not. (laughs) Well, it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) It does make for a great visual. But Copper's like, what the hell happened here? And McCready insists that they continue looking around. I think this is when, obviously, you know, you find the dead body, it's really bad, but you're expecting to see eight people here. Oh, yeah. That's the other part of it that's really... Yeah where I'd be kind of losing it a little bit. Well, no, hell yeah. From outside, everything was already messed up. <laughs> yeah. Been like, mm, hello. Yeah. <laughs> From the helicopter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys Is come outside. Yeah. Hope they can hear me over the blades because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stopping. But as they make their way into the next room, there are even more holes in the walls. Copper finds snow-covered paperwork on the floor and starts to examine it as McCready finds a portable video unit, which I guess is a cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the paperwork being in Norwegian, Copper scoops it up because it could be important. Mac tells him to hurry it up and that he'll investigate the last few rooms on his own. As he opens the door to the next room, he calls Copper in to join him immediately. I'd be like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. great. You literally just said <laughs> yeah. this can't be good. What the hell's in there? So we get this awesome POV shot as Copper makes his way in 
and we see McCready standing beside a giant block of ice, as they'd say in House on Haunted Hill, about as big as a Buick. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing, though, is that the center of the block looks completely scooped out. In the script, it's described as having the appearance of a large bathtub, which is spot on. Yeah, that's accurate. But the men look at each other speechless as Copper makes his way over to the block. Heading back outside, Copper guesses that the Norwegians might have found a fossil... (laughs) <laughs> which sure come on yeah, yeah. Come on. that looks like an ice coffin yeah that's not a fossil <laughs> come on dude i think he's trying to make himself he's trying to calm himself <laughs> yeah. down it's probably a fossil no big deal let's it's go, fine let's, can it's we go fine. back home now please <laughs> but mac motions over to something on the ground we pan over from a can of kerosene to a smoking pile of remains copper thinks it's a man but the men find a shovel to pry whatever it is out of the ground we fade to white which is interesting yeah Then we see the helicopter once again in the air, making its way back to the American station. The dog watches from the window as the chopper lands safely in front of the building. The dog literally looks like, what'd y'all find out? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to need to listen real close to know I can explain whatever (laughs) it is. Just give me the chance. (laughs) But the men rush out to greet McCready and Copper, all of them helping carry the remains found at the Norwegian camp, which is now wrapped in a tarp back into the facility. Maybe I'm alone here, but I would be fucking pissed that they brought that shit back No, there. I I, well, I wrote that too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know, because you have... Copper's a doctor. Right. McCready's a pilot. Mm-mm. Blair, but Blair's a, bio- <laughs> like, no excuse. Blair's yeah. a biologist and so right. is Fuchs. So it's like, if anybody's going to know what the fuck this is, it's going to be one of them. Okay, then take, take them over there and let yeah. them look at it. Yeah. Don't bring that bitch we'll ass thing back. back over here. <laughs> We sleep here. We eat here. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But inside, the men open the tarp on an operating table. Smoke pours out, and we finally get a good look at it. Do we? Yeah. Mm. It has waxy skin, covered in blood, and dripping with white goo. As we pan across it, we realize it has an excess of limbs, oddly human-like, but horribly misshapen. The bones bend at odd angles, almost like an animal, with parts of it resembling a man, but not quite. The most shocking part of it is the head. Two halves of a face are stretched apart from each other with folds of flesh in between, both sides with their mouths wide open, frozen in a painful scream. It's like they're they're fused together or some shit. There's no explanation for why someone slash something slash someone Mm -mm. plus something slash whatever would look like that. Take it back. Well, I mean, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. (laughs) (laughs) I've been told. Okay, don't be rude. Yeah, no. (laughs) But the funny thing is that Kurt Russell said it was like an eight-man acting contest to see which man could act like it smelled the worst. (laughs) But then when they opened it, the smoke actually stunk. And so they all were legitimately (laughs) like, holy shit. But the men look on with utter confusion, and Copper asks Blair to perform an autopsy. The dog has also joined the party, watching from the doorway. (laughs) Which, apparently, I would start to now... Why are you so invested in this? When you said that you would be suspicious of the dog, this is when I would start to take notice. Why is that dog always here? Watching. Why does he look so suspicious? Because he does. Like Now I regret throwing the ball around (laughs) with him. But in the next scene, Windows is sleeping at his desk with his headphones on. Gary walks in with a chip on his shoulder, turning the volume way up so the feedback wakes Windows, who screams. <laughs> what was 
fucking mean. It really is. Gary's like, have you reached anyone yet? And Windows hasn't. And he says that they're a thousand miles from nowhere and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Gary tells him to stick with it and just storms off. Back in that makeshift operating room, Copper covers up the dead Norwegian pilot saying there's nothing wrong with him physiologically. He peels off his gloves as Blair begins to cut into the monstrosity that's on his table. Blair's like, I found the culprit. It's diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm no, sorry. No, I know you no. have to. I had no, to. you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Sidebar, though, just a quick fuck you to Copper real quick, because once they looked at that monster, Copper was like, I'll handle the human autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, wouldn't you? I would. And again, yeah. he's... He's, he's like, I'm so glad I'm not a biologist and I'm just a doctor because fuck that. That's uh, above my pay grade. Yeah. So what is it, Blair? <laughs> but Blair slices into the abdomen, pulling out what he says appears to be a normal set of internal organs, heart, lungs, kidney, intestines, etc. He repeats that they seem to be normal as he once again stares at its split face. Wouldn't that make it worse, though? Like that more scary? Oh, yeah. That it's normal on yeah. the inside and it looks like that? Yeah. It's like I was I, hoping for like a... Yeah. <laughs> I think I read that those were animal guts, too. That makes sense. They like actually, in real life. They said that... Yeah, not in the... <laughs> they said this was when the audience started having a tough time with the movie. Well, I mean... And it doesn't help with the way Wilford Brimley's handling them. No, he's, he's like, like squeezing yeah. them at the camera. <laughs> it's like, look at this shit. It's like, you need to calm down. He's having too much fun. But later that night, Childs and Palmer are watching television together in the barracks, passing around a joint because what the fuck else are you going to do? Well, yeah. like when random guys aren't dropping in and trying to explode them and shooting them, this place is pretty chill. <laughs> it's pretty cool, yeah. yeah. You just got to pick your spots. Yeah. <laughs> in the rec room, a group of men are playing pool while the others are playing cards at a table. The dog walks under the card table, startling Binnings, who asks Clark to take the dog to the kennel with the other dogs where it belongs. And it's at that moment that I'm like, why are they just letting this dog free ball? Yeah. It's all over the station. <laughs> so Clark puts down his pool cue and he walks the dog to the kennel. The camera pulls back down the hallway as Clark lets the dog inside this really large kennel with the other yeah. dogs. Yeah. The other dogs are just chillaxing. They're sleeping. Yeah. yeah. They do take notice of the new dog, though, mm -hmm. who sits down like the Sphinx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Those dogs immediately were like, something's wrong with that well, motherfucker. Yeah, well, once they woke up, they were like, Whoa. Yeah, something is wrong. Yeah. But Clark doesn't have that dog no. <laughs> wisdom, and he just turns off the lights and leaves. The other dogs do stare at the new one, and the wind starts to howl outside. The new dog begins to breathe heavily, which the other dogs don't like. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they start barking at him immediately. Can you breathe like that outside? <laughs> Rude. <laughs> but the new dog turns its head and we see blood pouring from its mouth, only for its head to peel open like a flower, its skull dropping to the floor, revealing its tongue sticking out of the gore. The other dogs start to freak out. <laughs> Understandably. Oh, yeah. yeah. One Let of, me out. One of them is trying to push at the fence and we get another shot of the new, I keep calling it a, new the dog. new dog. <laughs> the new kid. Look, if this is a new model of dog, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> but the tongue has now grown longer, almost like a tentacle with red vine-like appendages whipping in and out of its back. It looks amazing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And I want to give a special shout out to that dog that is biting his way through that fence. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. He's a method actor. I think he was <laughs> genuinely He's like, afraid. Fuck yeah. this. <laughs> He's like, right, cut, I'm, John. Yeah. <laughs> John, cut. But <laughs> right, I, I thought you said this was fake. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit. Too real, too real. 
But the dogs continue to yelp and bark as limbs like large insect legs sprout out of that new dog's back and gain purchase on the ground. The dog is now a full-blown monster. Yes. That's, yeah. Yeah. But, and how, how do they not hear them? These dogs are freaking yeah, out. Yeah, they are. They're like, we're trying to play cards in yeah. here. <laughs> Shut up. Jeez. They're like, man, they really don't like that <laughs> new dog. <laughs> The new dog wasted no time showing nope. his true colors. He's like like <laughs> Clark turns off the light and he's like, just yeah. he'd been holding it in. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it hurts him. <laughs> <laughs> but the monster spouts out a pink liquid at the prison break dog that was biting at the fence, <laughs> and he scares it away from the fence. Clark makes his way back down the hallway, thanks to all the commotion. He's finally, yeah, you know, well, yeah. But he switches on the light, but it doesn't work. Being unable to look inside, he opens the kennel as soon as he gets to it, and two dogs just barrel over him, knocking him down. Like, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hear the movement of the vines as they reach out of the kennel. Clark kicks the door shut on them, and they retreat. He closes the kennel because he's like, what the fuck was well, that? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> We then see McCready heading into the kitchen only to hear a howl coming from the kennel. So he quickly makes his way to the fire alarm and pulls it. I thought that was interesting. Well, he's like, everybody, attention. attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the men meet Clark in the hallway who says he doesn't know what's in there, but it's pissed off. It was. Yeah. I think that's a <laughs> bit of an Clark. understatement. <laughs> Clark knows the dogs. <laughs> he's the dog guy. Yes. Yeah. So McCready again has his trusty shotgun. And he sends a few of the men to get Childs to go get the flamethrower. He's repaired. He's like, whatever yeah. the fuck oh, this yeah. is. We're going to take care of it. Yeah. So McCready cautiously creeps down the hallway as we hear howls and otherworldly noises. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, the men at the other end of the hallway have a fire extinguisher at the ready, but Mac tells them to hold off for a second. Mac opens up the kennel and shines his flashlight inside. In the center of the kennel, we see the monster again, only this time through the blood and gore, we see something that appears to be dog-like, but again, not quite. Yeah, dog-like. Yes. Dog-adjacent. I say that very loosely. Because <laughs> <laughs> the eyes are asymmetrical. There's no coat. The limbs are once again all wrong. Yeah. And the skin is shiny with an ooze. Yes. Very uh, wet. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that dog liked to get wet. Yeah. <laughs> It's that 2020 dog. <laughs> <laughs> but it opens its mouth to howl at McCready as even more red tentacles whip out from underneath its body. That scream that comes no, out of yeah. that thing and the way that it looks. Oh, my God. No, it's a lot. <laughs> Something hilarious that made me laugh in the commentary is Kurt Russell's like, John, how did you get those sounds? Like, how did you make those sounds? And John Carpenter goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like great thanks for the insight well, I, yeah all i wanted to know I, my ears perked up i'm like yeah how do you do that oh well never mind <laughs> but dozens of those tentacles wrapped around these two injured dogs that are still inside the kennel this was done by reversing the shot they start with the oh, tentacles on the dog cool. and that's then cool. pull them off very smart filmmaking yes. mm -hmm. but this is enough for mac to start blasting no. <laughs> so anyway <laughs> yeah Gary joins in with his pistol and they hit the monster and they shoot at the normal dogs to put them out of their misery. Yeah. Once Mac hits one of the regular dogs, Clark screams no and goes to stop him because these are like his best friends. Yeah. And he wrestles the gun away from McCready before McCready closes and locks the kennel. Inside, two gray monstrous appendages sprout up from behind the creature they grow claws, which break into the ceiling, and it starts to pull itself up. It's like, getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. I did not know they'd have guns. Maybe I should right. have waited until they were asleep. Yeah. Right, I'm going to get out of here while they fight each other. <laughs> A little too eager with this whole transforming thing. 
but we see that the monster is now grown larger in size when Childs finally runs in with the flamethrower and Mac lets him inside. Now it's kind of just a pile of organic confusion. Uh, (laughs) Miscellaneous pieces. I don't even know. There's an eyeball at the center. (laughs) Yeah. Its body then tears open, and through these vessels, it sprouts a mouth which heads right for Childs, who just in time blasts it with fire. Palmer and Norris, braver than me, yes, <laughs> rush in to put out the fire, and they all stare at the corpse in disbelief. Needless to say, all this dog business was rough. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry, I had to. I was watching a uh, Screen on Point video on YouTube about the movie earlier, mm-hmm. and in there he was talking about how when the the like flower looking thing comes out, it's the dog's tongues, and then it's the teeth inside of the dogs. I never even put that together. No, no, no me it's, either. It's like it's already horrifying, <laughs> yeah. and then when you add that to it, it's like, God damn it, yeah. like, give me a break, dude. No shit. I don't have time to no. <laughs> even <laughs> process that. <laughs> But back again in the operating room, Blair is getting to work on this new corpse as all the men gather around. He's like, man, I hadn't done anything for a long time. I'm busy as fuck these days. (laughs) Give me a break, dude. But he slices open the main body of it and he finds a partially formed dog. What do you do with that? I don't Uh, even know. Well, what's funny to me is what he does do, which is hold his head in what appears to be shame. (laughs) (laughs) And then the frame freezes and fades to black. It's like, God damn it. Yeah, just, I thought it was, it's such odd editing because the next scene literally picks up where this one left off. (laughs) They just wanted the dramatic moment. Yeah, Blair's just breathing comfortably and like he he didn't just find a half-formed dog inside of an alien creature. I I did notice that there's a lot of that. There is a lot. And they're like, no, you sit with this for a second. More often than not, it's on Wilford Brimley. That's true. He's like, now I want all my scenes. Right. Give me the drama. Yeah. Funnily enough, Carpenter said that the dissection scenes uh-huh. were Wilford Brimley's favorite thing to film. I I did. I, I read that on IMDb, too. He apparently had so much fun with them. That he was the only one that wasn't squeamish about it. Yeah. I know I would be. Even well, on set. Oh, no, yeah. Like, there's no way. Well, he was jiggling that shit around yeah. like, like nothing. He was so. proud of it. He's like, look at that. But... In the next scene, Blair explains that the creature imitates other life forms and does so perfectly. He says when it attacked the dogs, it tried to digest them and absorb them to shape its own cells to imitate them. He says they just got to it before it could finish the job. The prospect of this (laughs) might be the most frightening thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? No. What do you even do? What can you do? what What can you do? I will say, I don't know how he came about this conclusion so quickly, (laughs) but I'll allow it. He's like, oh, there's your problem. (laughs) Oh, he's just trying to make it. (laughs) And And you guys would have gotten there five minutes later. (laughs) I was very uncomfortable during this scene because he points at part of the creature with his pencil and then he puts the pencil in his mouth. Yes. And I'm like, Blair, you're a biologist. And he has like the pink, the big pink erasers that you put over your eraser. Yeah, right in the mouth. Not smart. (laughs) I was like, no, dude. But... Kurt Russell brought up a great point, and to me, it makes the entire film even scarier. Considering the tentacles, the crab, spider legs, whatever it is, what other life forms did it come in contact with in space? Oh, my God. So what else is out <laughs> wow, there? Wow. Yeah. Because it had to imitate them to become whatever the fuck what it yeah. is now. these monstrosities are. Oh, my God. Huh. So sleep tight, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. <laughs> 
But Blair had said, you know, he was trying to finish the job. And Norris asks, finish what? As if it wasn't obvious. <laughs> and it's finish imitating the dogs. We then see Blair collecting blood samples from the remaining dogs with the help of Clark. He asks Clark if he noticed anything strange about the new dog, and he says that he didn't. Blair learns the dog was wandering around the station all day and was only put in the kennel once it was nighttime. Again, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, this dog's got a different demeanor. He can, well, he can hang with us. Jealous. He's like a one of, of the guys. A lot of shit was going on. <laughs> so, I true. mean. Yeah. Let the dog live. Uh, and he did survive an ordeal. Yeah. In the he morning. Needs extra love. Yeah. Like, this isn't a regular sled dog. <laughs> but Blair asks Clark how long he was alone with the dog, and Clark says maybe an hour or an hour and a half. And then he asks why Blair is looking at him suspiciously. Well, Clark is acting no, sus. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Like, very. He has a look on his face like, I'm hiding something. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, I love how Blair says that, like, him and the dog were conspiring. Yeah. How long, how long were you alone, alone with that dog? We all know that dog can change anybody's mind. <laughs> <laughs> but Blair keeps his cards close to his chest, and he's like, it's probably nothing at all. And I just want to call out the excellent screenwriting here, just starting to plant these seeds of paranoia. Yeah. Because nobody's accusing anyone of anything. No. It's just a little bit of suspicion. Yeah. Carpenter himself said, this is when the movie really begins. I agree. Mm -hmm. 100%. So in the next scene, the men are analyzing footage that they recovered from the Norwegian station. After what seems to be a fruitless endeavor, they see footage of the Norwegian crew gathered around what appears to be a crater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't like the way they're all standing like perfectly spaced apart. No, it's almost cult like. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. It's like, are you raising the dead? What the fuck? Is this a ceremony? <laughs> but they start placing thermite charges. Sidebar: the people there as the Norwegian crew include many members of the real crew, <laughs> including John Carpenter. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> But we see these charges go off, and McCready decides to investigate the site himself after Norris determines the coordinates. Another decision that I personally would not have made. No. I mean, (laughs) but then again, after seeing what I've already seen, I'm like, well, fuck, we're in in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's get the fuck. Mm, No, we can only make this worse. Like, this can only get worse. (laughs) I guess there's two schools of thought on this. But we then see Mac and Norris in the helicopter heading straight for the crater, landing right outside of it. The men get out of the chopper, along with a third man that I'm assuming to be Bennings because he doesn't speak and we don't see his face. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the things that they talked about on the commentary was how their characters didn't bleed into each other, but their outfits certainly did. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, if you only saw them from the back, like, I don't know who the fuck that is. I have no idea who that (laughs) is. At all. But they peer over the edge of this cliff and they see this crash site that is from the alien spacecraft at the beginning of the film. Carpenter said that the spacecraft actually crash-landed on Earth at the beginning before man was on the planet. Holy shit. Well, so that's how long it's been there. What they say in a second. Exactly. Yeah. Interestingly, this is actually a matte painting. You can tell, it kind of. It looks like a painting, yeah. yeah. But the shot of the men is actually on top of a 400-foot glacier. <laughs> and Kurt Russell and them, they were actually there because you can see their faces. That's crazy. But we see the stuntmen are rappelling down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Again, better than me. Yeah. <laughs> so McCready and Norris rappel down to get a closer look, like I said. From his data, Norris estimates that the spacecraft had been under the ice for 100,000 years. McCready replies, and those Norwegians blew it up? There's like a mild tinge of like... Racism? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But a hundred 
thousand years. I yeah. throw up. Can you even like for <laughs> real? Like, you can't even comprehend no. that. They did what? <laughs> <laughs> no, please. No. Put me down for no. Yes, all three of us. That's three no's. <laughs> But after making their way back up, they examine another, much smaller hole, and it's exactly the shape of the ice block from the Norwegian station. Interestingly, they forgot to get a wide shot of them approaching this hole. Yeah. And so they had them walk on a soundstage in LA, and they just did a matte painting all around them. (laughs) And then the shot that we see of them standing by the hole is actually in Alaska. Well, it worked. It's so seamless. (laughs) It's so seamless. But that night at the station, McCready explains everything to the rest of the men. He says the creature must have crawled out from the spaceship and ended up frozen in the ice. Child is not here for it at all. He does not want to hear no, it. No, he says, I'm surprised anybody believes any of this voodoo bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> not uh, sure where the voodoo comes yeah, in. That's, but... what, that's what I thought too. I was like, how's this voodoo? Yeah, I don't. I didn't see He's a doll. Scared, I didn't okay. see, yeah, wow. Yeah. There was no ritual. Well, except for the men standing. Maybe yeah, he's more right oh. than... Well, shit. But Palmer says it happens all the time and the government knows about it. Then he goes in some ancient aliens shit, (laughs) talking about chariots of the gods and whatnot. (laughs) But Child asks Blair his opinion, but he just sits there silent. The men pass around metal from the crash site, almost like it's Roswell or something. And Gary questions McCready on the specifics as the others chime in. Knowles rolls in on his skates. <laughs> He's fed up. He throws a pair of long johns onto the pinball machine and he tells them to keep their dirty laundry out of the fucking kitchen. Which is a fair yeah. complaint. Oh, yeah. He said, who threw this in the trash? <laughs> <laughs> and they look nasty. They like, yeah. They're dirty. And it's not the only trash can on the no. station. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but Knoll rolls out and the questions continue, asking how the organism crawled out of the ice, how it can look like a dog, etc., Max says, maybe because it's different from us, maybe because it's from outer space, but then he directs all the questions to Blair. Again, Blair doesn't answer, and he just stares at a photo of the Norwegians posing happily around the block of ice that they discovered. The scene then fades to black on Blair again. (laughs) I'm like, is this in Wilford Brimley's contract or something? (laughs) All scenes. But in the next scene, we see Blair running a computer program where we see the alien cells assimilating and imitating the cells of the dog in no time at all. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's shit. That's so scary. It is. And the program is crunching the numbers, which makes it even scarier. And it says that there's a 75% probability that one or more of the team has already been infected by the intruder organism. I do not like those odds. Blair's like, you hate to see it. (laughs) (laughs) But Blair runs another projection, and it estimates that the entire world could be infected in 27,000 hours from the first contact if the intruder organism reaches civilized areas. It's a little over three years. That's no time at all. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so Carpenter admitted on the commentary, he's like, okay, look, these past two scenes, pretty expositional. But he's like, how else is the audience <laughs> going to understand yeah. the threat? Yeah. Because from here, it's just like, there's some creatures, man. And yeah. then, <laughs> you know, so now we're like, okay, shit. It's not just that the crew is in danger. The entire We're all planet, in danger. Yeah. Higher stakes. Like a stack of ribeyes. <laughs> <laughs> And I will say, I don't know how the computer can run these estimates or simulations. <laughs> and they're like, the computer is so specific. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like he programmed their genetic profile or something. I don't know. But the funniest thing about this is that Carpenter was told by the producers after they saw this scene that that technology would never exist. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it did in this movie. Yeah, it does today. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at computers now. No. Yeah. Blair wouldn't need to program shit. Right. Nope. And just take a picture of Childs and be like, "Oh, he's, he's got, got it." it. <laughs> <laughs> but Blair shakes his head again. You hate to see it, but he grabs his gun from his desk. McCready is in another room drinking whiskey and expecting the long johns, which are full of slash marks. Why is he handling those underwear like that? <laughs> I don't because they're, they're not his. He's like, there's something. Well, a, there's something. That makes it worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because the thing is, is that he's um, the underwear inspector. <laughs> <laughs> Thought he was just a pilot. He's like, not on my watch. <laughs> We're not doing this shit. But I think he's trying to get to the bottom of it. But I don't know what looking at them could yeah. determine. <laughs> he's think... like, damn, these are fucked up. <laughs> Nalls was right. They shouldn't have been in the they kitchen. They should not no. ever have been in the kitchen. But Copper calls him on the intercom, saying that they're moving the corpses into the storeroom and asks Mac to get his stuff out of there so they can stash them and lock them up. He throws the long johns in the trash and heads out. After collecting his stuff from the storeroom, Fuchs says that he needs to talk to him about something important, and they head to the snowcat for a chat. Mac asks him what they need to talk about, and he's like, no, we need, like, in full <laughs> yeah. volume. Yeah. Yeah. We can't talk in front of Dude, these windows guys. in... Like, they can hear you. Bennings are right there. I laughed out loud. <laughs> Could have been a little like, more no. discreet. Yeah. But still inside the storeroom, having heard everything, but oddly not <laughs> reacting. Offended. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we can't be trusted. But <laughs> Windows pulls back the sheet and looks at the split face corpse again, telling Binnings that they should just burn them, which, yes. Yeah. Binnings says you can't burn it because it's going to win someone the Nobel Prize someday. Windows just scoffs and he covers up the corpse with the sheet again and he walks over to Binnings. We see small movements under the sheets, which go unnoticed. Just yes, yes, we do. <laughs> total classic horror movie shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Windows then leaves Bennings alone in the room, and we see a small tentacle dripping blood as it peers out of the sheet. Again, not good. No. Outside, the station is bathed in blue light, and it's complemented with these yellow-orange lights inside the snowcat, and I just love the color palette of no, this movie. No, it's great. But inside, Fuchs tells McCready that there's something wrong with Blair, who has apparently locked himself in his room. Fuchs, though, swiped Blair's notes and reads from it, revealing that there's still cellular activity in the burned remains. So, they're not dead yet. Oh, my God. Why wouldn't he say something? That's, that's, yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly a really good question. Yes. He should have shared it with the entire class, not just McCready. But, but <laughs> I back, don't get that. back to my original statement. Why yes. the hell did you bring that thing over here? Yes. Why? <laughs> I, I, I'd be pissed. See, yeah. I feel weird because I feel like it makes sense so they can learn more yeah, about it. Well, I don't, I don't no, know. I okay, I take a tissue why. sample. <laughs> yeah. Very fair. Yeah. Very fair. I understand why, yeah. why they did we, it, but that doesn't mean I'd be happy. Yeah, about no. it. And can I just say, I don't know what they're researching at this station before huh. the alien yeah, ship starts yeah. happening. That's a good question. Like, were they there just in case some alien ship pops off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's why Gary was so ready. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> But back inside, Windows returns to the storeroom to check on Binnings, but finds his clothes in a chair covered in blood. He turns to see Binnings next to that split-faced corpse with tentacles wrapped around him and inside his mouth just going to town. Vincent Van Gogh got got. <laughs> <laughs> that dude looks like Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> But holy shit. No, it's yeah. tough. He yeah. was gone. How long was he Two gone? Two seconds. Yeah. 
So what did Benning just walk over there and is like, take me? Because <laughs> he's alone. I don't understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I wouldn't have got close to that no, thing at all. No. No. But then again, how long are those tentacles? Fair point. Could he have yeah. just been busy over there and then it just grabs him? Yeah, it was. Got him. Like, Although his shirt was off. Well, it likes to rip clothes. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> right, has, it has just to. Learned. And man, that must suck on that cold set being yeah. shirtless. Oh man, I didn't even think oh. about that, dude. That sucks. He's a trooper. But you hear windows drop i guess the keys right in the yeah. storeroom and then he immediately just runs outside to get fuchs and mccready the three men run back to the storeroom but binnings is gone windows is like i swear he was just right there which i believe him because oh, yeah how the fuck are you gonna pretend that you saw him yeah. getting got on yeah. the, with those tentacles no but mccready looks out the now broken window to see a figure awkwardly running away outside mac sounds the alarm again and the three men run outside to chase after the figure the figure then collapses to its knees as all the men at the station gather around him. Mac lights a flare and tells them that it isn't Binnings. The thing that isn't Binnings lifts up its head to reveal large, claw-like, and poorly formed hands yeah. and lets out a roar. The look on his face and the sound coming out of his mouth, mm-hmm. it is No, it's insane. Chilling. No, yeah. It Man. is so fucking creepy. And it's honestly one of my favorite shots in the film. Yeah. And it's a damn shame we'll never know how he made that sound. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> yeah. But McCready pushes over a metal drum of gasoline or kerosene and he drops the flare and just lights the thing on fire. It goes up in flames and those unearthly screams echo throughout the station. Yeah. I think the reason this creeps me out so much is because it seems like the thing is getting better at assimilation. Right. It was perfect except for the hands. Yeah. Like it was almost yeah. there. So, so quickly too. Yes, way quicker. He was just getting God as we yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot. But McCready grabs a flamethrower from the storeroom as a very confused Gary follows him. McCready explains that that wasn't Bennings and that it was one of those things trying to imitate him. And if it had more time, it would have looked and sounded exactly like him. That's so scary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like we already knew that it could. But like seeing it firsthand, it's like, oh, we're kind of fucked. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like how the fuck? How, how do you combat that? Yeah. But McCready tells Gary that they have to burn the rest of the corpses, which they do. And I feel bad for Gary because he's like, I've known Bennings. He's, yeah. he's a friend of mine. Yeah. But then this is kind of the point where I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, maybe Gary's not in the position to lead. Yeah. Because he he. Yeah. You're soft on the thing, aren't you? <laughs> you know, you can't. Are you a thing sympathizer? It, that Into would. The brig. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck, though, man. Oh, yeah. Because it looks like, like your friend. Yeah. yeah. It's like, God damn. Like, what? So that means my friend's dead. Oh, yeah. Well, you know we can I mean? make new friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they create this isolated burn pit outside, fill it with more gasoline, and McCready lights them shits up. So, unfortunately, nobody's going to be getting the Nobel Prize. No. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, someone is, just not for this. <laughs> but they say that there's nothing left as far as the creatures are concerned. All the things are in the burn pit, but they realize that Blair is not with them. We tilt up from the fire to the night sky, and then we cut to later that night with McCready still outside observing the remains. Fuchs walks up and tells him that they still can't find Blair, but everyone else is inside. Blair is self-quarantining, which yeah. <laughs> I think is I respect a good it. idea. Yeah. <laughs> but McCready grabs his flamethrower, and before he can head inside, though, he sees Blair fucking around with one of the choppers and running back inside. <laughs> Not a good look. No. no. <laughs> so Matt goes over to investigate the chopper, and he finds that Blair has rendered it useless, and we see a ton of cut and exposed wires. 
Mac then hears a gunshot, so he rushes inside. Inside, he meets all of them in the hallway, telling them about the chopper and asking Childs to check on the tractor to see if it's also fucked up. Yeah. Inside the computer room, Blair is losing his absolute mind, (laughs) just wrecking machines with an axe, saying they don't understand what's going on, but he does. Yeah, he has snapped. Yeah, he's freaking out. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because Carpenter said that they put two cameras on Wilford Brimley and just let him go nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And you can tell, yeah, he's just wrecking shop. But I mean, again, if you know what Blair knows... This honestly is the smart thing to do. Yeah. Right, right. It's, it's like, you guys aren't going to want to hear this. But. But, yeah. <laughs> but Childs returns to tell them that the tractor is indeed sabotaged. And he said Blair also killed the rest of the dogs. Clark, in shock, runs off to go check to see if it's true. The men then formulate a plan while Blair screams that the thing never wanted to be an animal because it couldn't make it a thousand miles in the cold. He then shouts, that thing wanted to be us. <sighs> Chilling. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And the way he delivers it is just pain. He's like, yeah. it wanted to be yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> but he says if it gets out, it can imitate everything on the planet. Childs comes around the side and tries to reason with him, but Blair just <laughs> fires off a shot and in his like, direction. Goddamn quick draw McGraw. Yeah. No, it's rough. He's, <laughs> like nothing. He's like, now nah, Blair. <laughs> like it's no time at From all. From the hip. <laughs> But after running out of bullets, he throws the gun and he's like, I'll kill you. (laughs) And the men rush him and just whoop his entire ass. (laughs) Hey, he puts up a fight for a second. He does. This one is strong as fuck. I was going to say, because he knocks Gary to the ground. But then for some reason, he grabs a chair and just smashes some glass. (laughs) Like there was nothing in there. It was just glass. And I laughed because like as they took him down, they were punching him on the way down. Oh, yeah. Hey. Like, they were just trying to restrain him. He's beating yeah. the shit out of him. It was just overkill. Because he doesn't have a gun anymore. No. Yeah. Although he was whipping people uh, off left and right. Yeah. I thought that was funny, though, that he threw the gun. <laughs> like, oh, shit. He's like, well, he it's, meant useless. It. it's useless Stay to back. me now. Clark reaches the kennel and he surveys the dog. Blair having left an axe in one of the dog's necks. He didn't have to do it no. like that. No. He didn't need to leave a tableau for Clark to find. <laughs> no. That hurt me. I was like, oh, I know. But in the morning, the men take Blair into the tool shed for safekeeping. Copper shoots him up with something and tells him that he's in there for his own protection. The funny thing, <laughs> this made me laugh because they were talking about it on commentary. There was a camera operator that anytime you see a needle go into someone's arm, mm-hmm. it was his arm. And so, holy shit. Because for some reason, he was the only one cool with it, ha- having it done so much. <laughs> and he said, I could do this all day. And then Kurt Russell joked, Isn't he in rehab now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh. But Mac checks on Blair because you remember they don't hate the guy. He's just kind of off his rocker a, a little bit. He's you lost know? it a little yeah. bit. But Blair says he doesn't know who to trust. McCready's like, trust's a hard thing to come by these days. But he tells him to trust in the Lord. Before he leaves, though, Blair tells him to watch Clark and watch him close. I'm with him because Clark yeah. is suspect number one. Absolutely. First of all, that weird shifty-eyed <laughs> conversation that they had earlier. And this this uh, cahoots that he had with, with the, the dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> Did I see you scheming with that dog? (laughs) To me, that's exactly right. And to me, the best part about this scene is that it's kind of demonstrating that the paranoia is just as contagious as the thing itself. Yes. And that's also scary. Oh, yeah. To see how... And it makes everything worse. Exactly. But McCready leaves and he meets up with Gary, Copper, Childs, and Fuchs outside. Gary says the radios are also shot, so they're completely cut off from the outside world. 
but he does suggest that they just hole up and wait for spring when the rescue team will come. McCready disagrees, saying that one or two of them could already be infected, and by spring, it could be all of them. Childs wonders how he could even tell if anyone is the thing if it's a perfect imitation, so Mac asks Copper if there's any way that they can find a way to test it. Copper says he's been thinking about a blood test where they mix... <laughs> it's like, how long have you been thinking about this, and why didn't you tell... <laughs> But he says you mix new blood samples with old blood samples to see if there's any kind of reaction. Fuchs says that they have some old blood in storage, so Copper goes to work on the test. And that's a good idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, could I be taken over and I don't even know? I'd be like, am I the thing? Like, no. That's, I'd be horrified. Would, yeah. yeah. How good is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn fold myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but McCready echoes Blair and tells him to keep an eye on Clark. Fuchs says that they need Blair's help, but Max says he's too far gone, but they can use his notebooks, which is, I guess, the consolation prize. <laughs> Inside, however, Copper finds that all the blood has been sabotaged, spilling out of the fridge. The odd thing, though, is that the lock isn't damaged, and the only people who have access to it are Gary, who has the key, and Copper, who borrows it when it's needed. Suspicion begins to build, arguments and accusations break out all around, and Windows just slowly backs out of the room. <laughs> Well, he's looking sus. No, yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, who would have had the forethought to do this? Yeah, because to me, nobody even knew that that was a... No. The way it seemed is that Copper almost came up with it on the spot. He's like, yeah. well, I, su I suppose there's a way that we can test the blood against... It's like, well, <laughs> then you're the only one that somebody, knows about it. Somebody that. thought of it first. Yeah. But I think that Windows looks so suspicious because he knows that he dropped the keys. Mm. And oh, that yeah, yeah. It could he could have been the one that allowed whoever did it to do it. You know right. what I mean? They're like, they're going to run those keys through Blair's <laughs> machine, find that I was the last one that touched them. Let him. me just Homer Simpson out yeah. of this room. <laughs> and the the men eventually realize that he did Homer Simpson out of the room. <laughs> yeah. And they go to chase after him. But we see him hoofing it down the hall, breaking glass to gain access to a shotgun and some shells. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but damn. You yeah. look so much worse no, now. Yeah, oh, that yeah, that looks bad. But before he can load it, Gary pulls his gun on him. Windows says Gary could be one of those things, and Mac gets everyone to chill as Windows finally drops the gun. Gary turns around, pointing the gun at the men, but then he's giving his word that he didn't ruin the blood, so it's just an odd little standoff where he's like, believe me, as he's pointing I, a gun at them. And I feel like yeah. he looks suspicious, too. He does. It It is painting it so well that you're like, well, fuck me. Anyone it could, could be, be you. Yeah. It could be you. It yeah. could be you. He eventually comes to his senses a little bit and he puts the gun down, suggesting they all might feel a little bit easier if someone else was in charge. Childs goes for the gun. For some reason, Clark pulls a knife. Yeah, yeah. he pulled that knife quick yeah. on him. <laughs> if I was, I was like, Childs, damn. I would have been very insulted. Oh, hell yeah, yeah I would have been mad. He seemed like McCready's first mate because McCready <laughs> just grabs the gun without incident, but Clark is like defending like, him yeah. with a knife. Yeah. It's very odd. <laughs> but Mac declares himself more even-tempered. And so even though he really... He has all the qualities you'd want in a leader, but he also seems like he doesn't want to be the leader, which to me, honestly, That's a good is leader. exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, what else? What more could you want? So Max, the leader now that night, we see the men torching the remaining blood samples as McCready acting as the leader gives one hell of a speech that was actually written on the day of shooting. Wow. And it's great. It is. He says he knows that he's human and that some of them must still be or else they'd all be attacking him. He says a storm is on its way, so they're going to find out tonight who is who. He then sequesters Gary, Clark, and Copper, telling Childs and Norris to shoot them up with morphine and tie them to a couch in the rec room. 
He also tells Fuchs to get working on a test, and they do as they're told. Well, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. And we see the another needle shot, so that dude's like, all right, <laughs> my time my to shine. Time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We then see McCready speaking into a tape recorder, saying that he wants to keep some kind of record in case none of them make it. He looks at the torn long johns again and says he thinks the thing tears through your clothes before it takes you, but the name tag was gone, so they could be anybody's. He says nobody trusts anybody now, and they're all very tired. He listens back to what he recorded, but then records over the last part, signing off. It's like, I don't need a record of them knowing we're afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is this shot here where so much of the frame is the open door behind him. And to me, it's like, holy shit, I'm starting to get paranoid thinking that someone's going to walk up behind him. Yeah. Like you said, it's contagious. Exactly. They all turned on each other. When they mentioned the blood test, they were all like, hey, dude, it was real bad. Why? I don't know. He's like, well, you also, you told me you were going to sabotage the blood. (laughs) I was like, no, I didn't. (laughs) I never said that. It's so weird. The other thing about that shot, though, is that on commentary, Carpenter said that he thought about adding a shadow behind McCready. But he wanted to leave it more ambiguous, and I'm very glad he did. Yeah, yeah I agree. Because uh, we don't need that. No. But McCready checks in on Fuchs, and he startles him. He grabs for a beaker, which the actor said later was full of acid. And so he, whoever was sneaking up on him, he was just going to fuck him up with some acid. <laughs> what the That's hell? how paranoid they are <laughs> on this station now. But thankfully, he doesn't murder McCready. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. And he tells McCready that he has a couple of ideas for a test, but he tells him if a small particle is enough to take over an entire organism, then everyone should be preparing their own meals. I'm like, why wasn't Fuchs in charge of this shit from the get go? Yeah. yeah. Because how long has Nalls been cooking for everyone and just feeding them imitations? <laughs> <laughs> Imitation crab. <laughs> but Mac leaves, and then suddenly the lights go out, and Fuchs lights a candle to investigate again. Love the way this looks, bathed in that blue light and complemented by the orange fire of the candle. Yeah. Love it. But we see a shadow of a man walk past and Fuchs like, who is that? And there's no response. But there's, of course. A, there's a musical sting <laughs> as he walks by. It's like, He's yeah. like who's that? It, Nothing. It's a scary ass sound. Oh, too. yeah. I'm not, I'm not down with that. But Fuchs goes outside with the flare and he finds a torn jacket with McCready's name on the back of it. Again, some expert misdirection here because it's like even your main character yeah. could yeah. be the thing. You which don't I love. know. Every, everybody's a suspect. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So in the rec room, McCready asks the men if anybody has seen Fuchs. He mentions that someone blew out a fuse in the lab and that it was out for an hour and anybody could have gotten to him. He suggests looking for him, but there are major objections to his ideas of pairing certain people with certain people. <laughs> Nobody wants Nobody, to go with anyone. Yeah, especially Palmer. I don't understand why yeah. Palmer couldn't <laughs> go at the beginning. Yeah. Like, what do you do? I'd be like, we're all going to stand in a circle mm-hmm. and just look at each other till spring. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how else we're going to get through this. <laughs> but an argument breaks out and Mac tells him to cut the bullshit. And he partners up with windows and nulls to check outside, giving instructions to fry anyone who moves and to meet back in 20 minutes. Outside, Mac, nulls and windows make their way to the tool shed to ask Blair if he's seen Fuchs. Speaking through a partition in the window, Blair says that he wants to come back inside and that he's been hearing some weird noises out there. He made a news. He did. Yeah. I, I was going to ask about that. Like, <laughs> I remember you saying that when we were watching like, it. I don't know if it was like 
for real or if he's just like, look at how yeah, look. Right. Is he trying to really sell? Yeah. It's like, let Please me come let inside. let me come back in. Or maybe it's just arts and crafts. I don't know. No. <laughs> he got bored. He doesn't have a lot to do in there. No, he's just got canned food and his own thoughts. <laughs> Mac ruined the chess machine. Yeah. <laughs> he has nothing to do. But McCready asks if it was Fuchs making the weird noises and Blair simply replies, it ain't Fuchs. But he reiterates he's all better now and he's not going to hurt anyone and wants to come back inside. Max says, we'll see, and then shuts the partition against Blair's protest. It's really sad because he's like, hey, man, I'm, yeah. I'm all better now. Come yeah. on. It's really sad. Really trying to appeal. Again, like you said earlier, it's not that everybody hates him. No. It's, you know, they're scared of him. Yeah, and kind of as they should be. Yeah. No, yeah. But no he was ready to take so everybody. We ain't got to do shit, old mm-hmm. man. Just no. stay in there. <laughs> and then the other thing is you're like, well, how long has he been out here alone? What can that thing do? Yeah. Like, I, no, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah so McCready's making the right choice. But as they continue walking, they stumble upon Fuchs's burned body, half covered in snow. What do you make of that? I don't oh, know. I don't know. They got a couple of speculative ideas. Right. Like either he tried to burn it and burned himself, or he just burned himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> either way, he's burnt now. Yeah. But Mac tells Windows to head back inside and tell the others, and he and Nalls will be in there soon. Nalls is like, where are we going? Max says, to my shack, because when I left yesterday, I turned the lights off. And we get this shot of McCready's shack off in the distance through blue lights with a solitary window lit. I would be jealous that windows got to go back. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Nalls was like, what the hell for? I don't want to go to that fucking shack, No. And I do have to say, first of all, I love this shot of just the distance the blue yeah. light it's just oh, yeah. fantastic but second of all i want to call out john carpenter's attention to detail in directing because i doubt that the sound effects of the wind howling were there on set but the actors are yelling over it yes yeah, i noticed yeah. that too one of my biggest pet peeves is club scenes in movies where they're just yep. talking like this it's yeah. like they can't fucking hear like, you know yeah. you know no. y'all can't hear each other yell over the music Direct your actors to yell that's my <laughs> psa for any listening directors anyways <laughs> Windows does head back inside as they go to investigate the shack. And again, it fades to black. (laughs) We see Childs watching from the window of the station and the men have been gone for 30 to 45 minutes, which is way past what he said his 20 minute deadline. So Childs suggests that they just start barricading the doors. Norris takes off his flamethrower to help, but he does so with a wince of pain. As they're all working, Norris notices through the window that someone's making their way to the door. He calls for everyone to check it out, but again, Wins is in pain. He's like, hey, yeah, everybody. He- ah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> that hurts. That made me laugh. It's like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> He's surprised by how bad it hurts. <laughs> but the men hear that it's Nalls knocking on the door, and Palmer opens it for him. Once inside, Nalls tells the men that he found a torn shirt of McCready's in his shack, suspects him of being infected, so he got ahead of him and cut him loose on the way back. Yeah, that's rough. Very rough. Don't even ask any questions. Like, is this a torn shirt? What if it's just an old shirt? I mean, mean, but then again, everyone's paranoid as hell. I mean, yeah, it it sucks. And of course, we all love Max, so it sucks more. But you can't blame him for doing that at all. And he's like, ah, I cut him loose. It's yeah. like, you cut him loose. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Yes. And again, wouldn't you also suspect Nalls? Yeah, dude. Yeah, you So, would. I mean, it's you can't trust anybody. But the men ask when it got to him, and Nalls is like, I don't know. They bicker over whether the story has merit, but it devolves into Windows and Palmer arguing again. 
because <laughs> I don't know why Palmer's like, he's like, hey, Windows, where were you? And Windows is like, motherfucker. And they yeah. just start. It's <laughs> exactly. so weird. I don't know why they're fighting. Tensions are at an all time high. Fair. And I don't think Palmer's anybody's favorite to no, begin with. No, I feel bad for him. I genuinely do. But just then, the doorknob begins to turn from the outside and the men go quiet. As if they're like, look, if we're quiet, he won't know we're here. And <laughs> Just turn the lights like, off. I think they know. But Child says no one could have gotten back in the cold without a guideline and suggests letting Mac freeze to death outside. Windows asks, what if we're wrong? And Childs goes, well, then we're wrong. Damn. That's cold as shit. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. Because he will, he will freeze cold to death. Cold as ice. Yeah. And I'm like, this is because Matt grabbed that gun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is personal. Exactly. But McCready breaks back into the building through the window in the supply room. Since it's locked from the inside, Childs breaks down the door with an axe, threatening Mac the whole time. As they break in, Mac is holding dynamite and a flare, telling them that if anyone comes close, the whole camp goes. I mean, it's a pretty good yeah, tactic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Thankfully, they do put their torches down, and Mac tells them to back off, which they do. Nalls and Norris, though, try to grab him from behind, but he shakes them loose. McCready threatens them again, which I mean, yeah, because it's like, what the fuck did I just tell you? Yeah. And I have dynamite in my I hand. I will blow this shit yeah. up. Exactly. But after he does some threats... We see Norris on the ground gasping for air. Nalls checks on him and says he isn't breathing. So Mac tells Palmer to untie Copper and bring him in. All that, ooh, ah. Yeah. <laughs> it adds up. Ooh. Like it's you, like, damn. He was surprised. In the medical room, Mac stays holding a grudge against Nalls, saying literally anybody could have torn up his shirts and stuffed him in the furnace, which, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know somebody was in his house because the light was on. That's the whole reason y'all yes. went up yeah. there. So why are you so like, suspicious of me? That's rough, man. I'd just be so pissed. I get it. But Copper goes to work on Norris, starting CPR and telling Windows to wheel in the defibrillator. We see Clark slyly grab a scalpel and Copper puts those pads to work. There's a shot of Max standing there and then the palmed scalpel is in the foreground yeah. and it is great. It's like, oh, it yeah, looks yeah. so cool. So cool. Copper shocks Norris once, checks his pulse, nothing. He says clear one more time, pushing the paddles to Norris's chest. Only this time, Norris's entire abdomen opens up like a mouth biting off Copper's arms, and he falls back dead. Gets me every single time. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. I think we just found out who's infected. <laughs> <laughs> it's McCready, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but all of this is done practical on set. No, it every looks bit of this. amazing. It does. It's unbelievable, especially in 1982. Yes. Yeah. They made an entire double of Norris's body, and... The actor himself said that they even got the chest hair patterns right. Oh, my God. <laughs> he said that he was there. His, it's his head and right. his arms, but the entire abdomen is like swapped out yeah. you know, because he's under the table. And he said that the actor that plays Copper walked in and he's like, get this man a shirt because he didn't know <laughs> <laughs> that it was Norris's like, body double. They're like, no, knock his gut out. <laughs> <laughs> But the other crazy thing about this is that they actually got an actor who is a double amputee to play Copper, only in this scene, though. 
That's cool. Um, they swapped him out and they put on a mask of copper whenever he lifts his arms up and they're both gone. Yeah. That's the amputee. Wow. With the mask on. That, it's just that's so good. Awesome. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. But a spider-like organism with a snake-like head with the face of Norris clings to the ceiling, looking back at the group with sharp teeth. It is hideous. Oh, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> it's a whole lot. Mac blasts the fiery piss out of it with his flamethrower understandably oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. the the head that's still attached to the body on the bed it's screaming and its head is yes. like stretching that's no it's a lot it's too much and it does it splits off from his body screaming and we see those bluish green blood vessels rip and explode and it's just easing the head to the ground the crazy thing about this though is that the first time that they filmed this, they had that fire at the bottom of the frame, and it's for continuity because in the reality, they filmed it separately, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're like, well, Mac already torched it, so we need to have the fire at the bottom. And Rob Bottin says that when they added the fire, it exploded the model. Oh, shit. <laughs> and he said that everybody was standing there all black, like they just got exploded in a cartoon. <laughs> And they had to rebuild it all over again. No. Damn, Damn that sucks. Absolutely. <laughs> But the head whips out a vine from its mouth and it drags itself under the desk as McCready lets the room burn for a moment. He then does send in the men with the extinguishers to put out the fire. Unbeknownst to them, though, Norris's head sprouts legs like spiders and his eyes pop up almost like a slug. Yeah. It's all done practically. The head was on the floor and the team was underneath the floor popping these things up. Just incredible work. So it tries to make a break for it, but the click-clack of its limbs alert the group. That thing really just crawled out of there like, well, yeah. we're going to be hitting the old dusty <laughs> yeah, trail. Later, guys. <laughs> to me, like... How dare you? <laughs> a dumber movie would have just let it go. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. But You're absolutely right. They hear it, they see it, and Palmer lets out the immortal line as they all turn around, you gotta be fucking kidding. Mac blasts it and it moans in agony. By the oh, way, the sound. Oh, it's yeah. awful. I noticed when he was uh, shooting the the alien when it came out up, when mm-hmm. it sprouted up, he had the dynamite super close to that flamethrower. Oh, yeah. He had it in his hand. <laughs> that that like, camp was about yeah. to go. <laughs> Back in the rec room, Mac instructs Windows and Palmer to tie everyone up and Gary is not there for it, calling for everyone to rush him. Clark defends McCready, though, getting a little too close for comfort and kind of being told to back off. Child says that he isn't going to be tied up, and Mac points the gun at him. We get that excellent shot of Clark pulling the scalpel out as Mac points the gun at Child's and cocks it. Clark takes his shot with the scalpel, but Mac is too fast, shooting him right in the head, dead. He takes him out like nothing. Oh, yeah. Uh, He looked like he was up to no good. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not up for debate. I don't feel like we should fault Mac for that. That's self-defense if I've ever seen it, folks. Palmer, though, ties the corpses of Copper and Clark to the pool table, and McCready gets some copper wire ready for his test. This is the best scene in the whole film. Agreed 100%. (laughs) It's my favorite part. Yeah. It's, again, proving John Carpenter is a master of suspense. The tension. Like, you feel it. Like, you're in the room. yeah. Even having watched it a hundred times, every single time you yes. feel it. But McCready says after watching what happened with Norris, it gave him the idea that maybe every part of him was an individual with a built-in desire to protect its own life. He says when a man bleeds, it's only tissue, but blood from one of those things will try to survive if it's attacked. 
so his plan is to draw blood from everyone and scorch it with the hot wire. Brilliant, brilliant Absolutely. idea. Yeah, no, yeah. No wonder he's the leader. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Windows ties Palmer to the group and then goes about collecting blood from everyone, including Clark and Copper. Oddly, during this scene, they said that the audience freaked out about seeing the blood after everything they've seen. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, ew, blood. I'm like, well, you just saw a fucking You've dog seen creature. literal monsters. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that Carpenter brought up that it wasn't lost on him that they kind of stumbled into an AIDS allegory here. Yeah. It was being talked about at the time. And again, you need these blood tests to diagnose. Everybody yeah. looks normal but you don't know what's going on inside of them so it was one of those things that he's like it's not lost on me yeah but later years he's like you know this could be an allegory for any disease really no yeah to that point watching it this time i did have some thoughts about covid19 oh yeah absolutely they just needed the masks yeah (laughs) (laughs) but mccready heats up the wire and then begins by testing windows's blood the wire squeaks against the glass, giving off a little smoke, and Windows breathes a sigh of relief. I was like, did Windows think he might have been the I thing? That was- <laughs> he is Dude. very relieved. No, yeah. Hey, but that's, I mean, the same. You brought up, like, with COVID-19, yeah. I take every fucking precaution in the world. But you could still but get it. anytime I have a cough or I feel a little warm, I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> it got me. <laughs> exactly. So I'd breathe a sigh of relief if my fucking Petri dish was squeaking, too. <laughs> Mac allows Windows to put on a flamethrower and watch the other men. He says, now I'll show you what I already know, before testing his own blood and, of course, coming out clean. Right. He tests Copper's blood, which comes out clean as well, as does Clark's. I was positive Oh yeah, that Clark was the he thing. He was just acting too weird I was the whole so time sure. for no reason. And then the canoodling with the dog. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was fucking positive. Massive red herring with Clark. Yeah. yeah. Childs is like, well, that makes you a murderer, doesn't it? Mac pays it no mind. (laughs) (laughs) We're not talking about that right now. We're testing blood now, child. (laughs) Keep up. (laughs) Keep up. McCready moves on to testing Palmer's blood. Gary says this doesn't prove anything, and McCready accuses him of sabotaging the blood from the fridge. He's like, I thought you'd say that, Gary. It's like, why are you? (laughs) Goes bad on him, but he's like, we'll do you last. Well, Gary is a prime suspect, to be fair. Because he really is with the access of the blood, so I I get it. But Mac brings the wire down into Palmer's blood and it rises up from the dish, shrieking. I, what do you do? <laughs> it scared so, the hell out of me. So, yeah, yeah, so surprising. And it does every time. Because you think in any other movie, it would have been the last person. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It's so going to be Gary. You're, not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're so, you're caught so off guard. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Kurt Russell's hand, it was a fake hand, and they just popped the monster up through his hand. Uh. <laughs> just fantastic. Man. But McCready obviously drops the dish, <laughs> and we see the blood kind of on the ground moving on its, it's own. It's like running mm-hmm. away. Yeah. It's insane. But Palmer begins to shake because the thing realizes the jig is up. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, too, because I would have thought that just the blood would react. Right. I didn't, and then they'd take out the person. I didn't expect the thing to be like, well, well fuck, here knows. we go. The thing's smart, man. Yeah, Yeah. it is. So still tied to the others who are losing their shit, Palmer's face begins to transform. Mac cannot get his flamethrower lit to blast Palmer, whose disfigured face is now oozing blood. It's like every time we check in on Palmer, he was looking worse from (laughs) (laughs) away. But Palmer wriggles free from the ropes, his hands looking like Binning's did. Yeah. And he defies gravity and slams himself up against the ceiling. I don't know what's in these things. Yeah. (laughs) But, Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Windows goes to save the day, but the Palmer thing jumps back down to the ground, its head splitting open, pulling Windows inside with a long tongue and chomping it with long fangs. Yeah. Poor Windows. Shit I know. Fast. Yeah. yeah in the blink of an eye. Fast. Unbelievable. And he replicated Palmer oh, yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Until the jig was up. But it chews Windows up, and he's just kicking and screaming, and it eventually throws Windows aside. Mac finally blasts him, and it just <laughs> catches on fire and breaks through a wall like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it just collapses in the snow. McCready lights the dynamite, hurls it at Palmer, exploding him. This actually scared Kurt Russell because oh. he did not expect it to explode that quickly. And it explodes really yeah, fast. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> it's honestly kind of dangerous. I don't know <laughs> where the actual charge was. I noticed that, too. I was like, damn, oh. that was fast. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. But Windows starts to come back to life, but McCready goes Dylon on him and spits that hot fire. <laughs> Suddenly, Mac goes back to testing the blood as if that was just a quiet detour. But can you imagine still being tied up while all of this was oh, happening? Oh, no. Like, we like, take a break. I know. <laughs> that and was I a felt lot. that whole, like, scene with Palmer, I felt like, you know, that meme of Lady Gaga where she's like, amazing, show-stopping, <laughs> never been seen before. Every yes. time I watch it, I'm like, fucking 10 out of 10. All of like, that is true. It, it's amazing. It really, really is. And again, if you've never seen this movie before, scenes like this are just groundbreaking. You've, oh, yeah. even to the today, you've never seen anything like it. Yeah. But in the further testing, Nalls and Childs come up clean and they're untied, leaving only Gary tied to the couch. After Gary comes up clean, he says that when they find the time, he'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> I love it. Finally, a little bit of levity in this film because it has been pretty dark. Shit, I'd have been mad, dude. I'd have been like, <laughs> yeah. all right, I'm human. Get me out of here. Let me out. But of course, we fade to black. <laughs> in the next scene, McCready tells Childs that they're going to go outside to give Blair the test. But if Blair comes back without them to burn him. Light his ass yeah. up. Oh, yeah. So he heads outside with Gary and Nalls to the tool shed, but they find the door wide open. Nalls says the door was bolted from the outside, so they're confused as to how he could have gotten out. McCready walks over a few floorboards that feel hollow, so the guys pull them up to reveal a hole that would make Andy Dufresne proud. <laughs> <laughs> Gary lights a flare, and he leads the way as they call out for Blair. Underground, they find what appears to be a partially built spacecraft. How the yeah. hell? I'm guessing it must have been from the helicopter parts, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we did see him cutting yeah. the wind yeah, to <laughs> break off with him. But then if that's true, how long was Blair one of these things? Yeah, I think he touched the thing and then touched his mouth. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how long he was because... Well, maybe he he was still human and then when they went to check on him again he was like i'm all right now let right. me out because i'm yeah or maybe that whole freak out was him trying to fool them into trusting him mm. he's the thing's smart because that's what it wants mm -hmm. it wouldn't be faking and, and parading itself around as True. a regular person if not but with the spaceship i got two schools of thought one he's like man they're burning these motherfuckers i'm getting out of here or <laughs> He's like, this is how I'm going to get to the rest of the world. Yeah, I think I think the latter. So maybe it does make sense. He's sabotaging. He's like, you guys can't get out, but I fucking yeah, can. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> no. But we get shots skulking around the facility, revealing a wide open door in the doorway where Childs was keeping watch, but now he's gone. Back in the tool shed, Nulls keeps watch as Mac and Gary rig some more dynamite. 
Nall spots Childs making a break for it outside, and we see all the lights go off in the facility, but the blue exterior lights return. Again, it looks great. Yeah. Mac lights a flare as he realizes the thing blew the generator, intentionally trying to freeze itself again, only to infect the rescue team that is going to come in the spring. Yep. Realizing they probably won't make it out alive, they decide to warm things up around the station so the thing won't be able to freeze. Mac drops the dynamite down the hole, blowing up the spacecraft and the tool shed in a blaze. They also destroy the snowcat and throw a Molotov cocktails all around the facility, just lighting it up. Yeah, like systematically just yeah. tearing it down. And so this part to me, I'm like, this is so selfless, you know? Yeah. The film is always criticized for this like nihilistic tone. It's criticized for having no hope, but this is the most heroic shit I've ever seen. Yeah, they are literally sacrificing themselves to literally save the yeah. world. Yes. So why is, I just, I don't understand the criticism. I think it it's very, um, like it's a very surface deduction. You're not looking any further into any of this. No. You're looking at like the themes or the way it makes you feel and you're making an assumption based on that, which is... Not the actual characterization. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Of all these men banding together saying we got to save the world. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> But the men head downstairs to the generator room, and it honestly looks like a fucking cave. I'm like, is this always what it looked like? <laughs> this shit is scary down yeah. there. Yeah. No wonder. There's all kinds of old shit and yeah. just thrown around. Is this up. normal? Yeah. Like stalactites and shit? Yeah. <laughs> but Gary checks the generator, and he determines it's gone. There is no way to fix it. They decide to set more explosives down there, with Mac telling Gary to plant his in the old storage room. Nalls places his by the generator without incident. Gary, however, plants his, but then comes face to face with Blair. Blair fucking slides into the frame like Kramer, yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> just. <laughs> but Blair pushes him up against the wall and he slithers his fingers into Gary's face while checking if the coast is clear because he's like, I'm getting tired of being caught. Yeah. <laughs> It's really funny because on commentary, Carpenter asked Wilford Brimley what he was thinking about while he was filming the scene right. because of the look on his face. And Wilford Brimley says, picking up my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I got a lot of stuff to do today. Yeah, okay. I, I get that errands. dry cleaning. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but we see him drag Gary away by the face as Mac and Nalls set more charges. Nalls hears the thing and goes off to investigate and we literally never see or hear from him again. No. That's just the end of it. Yeah. I thought that was very yeah. odd. But Mac checks in on the men and gets no response. He readies the detonator and lights a stick of dynamite. Just then, the thing bursts through the floor in a wave, reaching up through the ground with tentacles and pulling the detonator down. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. Suddenly, an incredible mass of inhumanity sprouts up the largest we've seen thus far by far yeah with sharp teeth at the head and a dog thing like body protruding from its abdomen it's almost like when a band releases a greatest hits album but also has a few <laughs> new singles on it <laughs> <laughs> and carpenter said it took 50 people to operate this thing from underneath the ground Damn. that's insane. incredible well it looks good and oh, it's scary yeah. as shit yes, oh yeah <laughs> But Mac grabs the lit dynamite with a very dramatic roll, and the thing roars at him. He shouts, yeah, fuck you too, before throwing it and blowing it up once and for all. I love the action hero line. Yeah. <laughs> he needed one. It's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we get these exterior shots of the facility as the entire place explodes and is covered in flames. 
So now this is where I said I would bring it up later, but this destroyed, blown up American camp was later reused as the destroyed Norwegian camp from the beginning of the film. <laughs> that's so, so smart. They just moved the set around a little bit. So again, saving that money. Yeah, man. Uh, fantastic a, work. That's genius. You know, Carpenter comes from these indie films. It just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But McCready makes his way out, sitting down among the wreckage. The station burns behind him as Childs makes his way into the frame with his flamethrower. Child asks if he's the only one that made it and asks if McCready killed it. Mac asks where he was and he says he saw Blair and went out after him but got lost in the snow. McCready just chuckles. Child says the temperature is up all over the camp but it won't last long. McCready's like, we won't either. Childs asks how they'll make it and McCready says maybe they shouldn't. Childs assures Mac that he's not been infected and Mac just says that if they've got any surprises for each other, there's really not anything they could do about it at this point. The theme begins to play one last time as McCready suggests they just wait here for a while and see what happens. He passes Childs a bottle of scotch and he takes a drink. McCready watches and chuckles to himself. We then see the burning remains of the camp one last time as the music pulses and the credits roll. Interestingly, Carpenter says he still can't decide if Childs is the thing or not. <laughs> well, he has said on record that one of them is. Who do you think it is? Okay. Uh, oh. On three. Okay. Okay. Like one, two, three, say it. Mac or Childs. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, say it. One, two, three. Childs. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think if one of them has to be the thing, it's Childs. What, I prefer one the of them ending where neither be. of them yeah. are. I, well, they're, they, they're dead anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I watched an interview that Keith David did with People TV mm -hmm. 35 years before post the thing wow and it was a it was a really funny interview he just seems like a great dude but he said that obviously john carpenter didn't tell either of them yes or no of course but people have pointed out that and i noticed this when childs and mac are talking in that last scene childs has no steam coming out of his right mouth. only mac does he has no steam coming out of his mouth and keith Keith David said that when people would say this to him, he'd say, well, I was closer to the fire. <laughs> You're like, a few inches closer to the fire, but <laughs> he's like, I was closer to the fire. And then as time went on, he's like, well, I'm going to ask John the next time I see him. <laughs> the funny thing is on commentary, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell were talking and Kurt Russell's like, well, the only thing we know for sure is that Mac is not the thing. <laughs> and then John Carpenter, John Carpenter goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Like, thanks, man. He also said that he felt like this ending was a setup for a sequel hmm. where, yeah, where they are rescued and then maybe one of them goes back and infects and maybe one of them doesn't. But right. they, they did film a second ending that really nobody has ever seen where Mac himself gets rescued because for some reason the studio said that they wanted to end the film before Child's walks into the frame which is weird because there's like no closure there yeah. no it's like I, child's just disappears yeah that i so don't like i'm that. glad they didn't do that but in that ending they also filmed another ending where mac gets rescued and is safe and everything which is such a hollywood ending yeah it's kind of yeah. lame I, i'm glad they didn't do that and this ending to me is just perfect it's amazing because yeah. kurt russell's line at the end that he came up with it's it's great it's just fantastic and it also could read Either one of them yeah. as being yeah. the thing. Also, the eye gleam. I don't know if you read about that, no. but they went back and 
anytime you, you know, it's like a head on shot of anybody talking, there's a gleam in their eye, there's a light in their eye. Mm -hmm. And they purposefully went back and took that out of anybody who was infected. So if you go back and watch it, Palmer does not have a light in his eye ever. I mean, after a well, certain yeah. point. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, even when he was a baby. No, no, that's and crazy. Childs in that scene does not have a gleam in his eye. Hmm. And Mac does. Uh-huh. So no steam, no gleam. No steam, no gleam. And they think, well, some people think that Mac gave Childs, that wasn't scotch, that was gasoline. I've heard of that as well. And, and so when he drinks it and is like, mm, That's why Mac's Mac like, laughs, because he's like, you okay, fucker. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, but... I have to ask the customary question, what did you guys think of the thing? As blown away as the first time I watched it. It's riveting from start to finish. And like I said at the top, I was like, oh, we got to rewind it because I'm just fucking, I'm sitting here watching it. (laughs) I still enjoyed this movie. Yeah. It does a lot of things that I really, really like. And I think my only major complaint about this movie is some of the poor Choices that they make. That was it. <laughs> Just as characters. But, but it's... But the movie wouldn't happen without... Right. It. Yeah, that's no, true. Yeah. You mean bringing the body back? Yeah. Yeah. Num- that's poor well, choice number yeah, one. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a few. You've very upset yeah. about that this whole time. Well, like I said, just bring a, bring a little specimen back. That you makes don't sense. need to bring that Absolutely. big ass body back. Like, He's like, I'm a pilot. I don't know what the fuck yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> but uh, I agree wholeheartedly with both of you. Depending on the day you ask me, this might be my favorite horror film. Again, depending okay, on the day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just love it. It still scares the hell out of me. Yeah. No, which yeah. is really hard to do when you've seen a film like dozens and dozens of mm-hmm. times. But it's just fantastic. Everybody should watch it and watch it five more times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that brings us to ratings. So The Thing is, to me, a very special film. It's so sad that... It wasn't received properly whenever it first came out. It's su- surprising. Yeah, I don't... It's mind-blowing, and I read that because of the poor reception to the thing, John Carpenter had signed like a three-picture deal with Universal, but they broke the deal because of how the thing was received. He was supposed to direct Firestarter, and they're like, nope, never that mind. That sucks, yeah. man. So it's just like really upsetting. So it must be so rewarding for him to see the reception that it gets now yeah yeah you know seen as one of the best horror films ever made right rightfully so like a cornerstone you know absolutely a watermark when it comes to practical effects oh no yeah yeah. just amazing the thing about this movie to me is that everything works yeah the set design the effects the lighting the performances Mm -hmm. all of it sequences paranoia the set pieces, like I could go on for a million fucking and years. And like we had talked about, I think on 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. it's not just a horror movie about the monster. It's a horror movie about human behavior when yes. confronted no, yeah. with something like this. That that just makes it a million times scarier. Yeah, because it's real. Yeah. Because that, that's actually scary, and you like can, in real life. You can swap out the thing for anything. Yeah. And it's still going to be frightening. Yeah. So, I mean, it should come as no shock. That out of 10 shredded long johns, (laughs) I am going to give the thing 10 out of 10 shredded long johns. And I will now open the floor to you. I really do enjoy this movie. Like I said, the only thing that I'll say that I didn't like was, of course, the the choices they made. But I mean, it's (laughs) it's what they had to do. Yeah. Um, 
what I really, really enjoy about this movie is that it doesn't, it's not like, it's not spoon feeding you information. Right. And it's not, it's, it doesn't feel like these guys don't know each other. Mm -hmm. It feels like they know each other. It doesn't have that weird feeling of like, there's an awkward moment or whatever. Everybody's just kind of vibing and they play off of each other. And it's not, sometimes I had a problem with like, well, what's this guy's name again? What's the game? But it, but it was so many of them. Right. But it was just because a lot of them were in the scenes at the same time, Mm -hmm. but they, they like, I don't know. I guess it was like their, all their vibes were like together. And it was like, this is great. This is, it's not a, oh, this is like some Hollywood shit. It was like, this is like you said, like it's real. It's this feels so real. Like this would happen if I was locked away somewhere with other people that are my friends. Mm -hmm. You forget how fast when it's your life in danger Mm -hmm. and you don't know who you can trust how you're going to react. Yeah. You know, who's to say you don't, yeah, you might know somebody like dude for 10 years and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to suck when, you know, you find out he's dead. But if I think you're going to kill me or something's wrong, yeah, I'm sorry, dude. But, and you know how hard it is to have that kind of organic chemistry between 12 actors. A lot, a lot of people. That's incredible. But it, it did though. The movie was just, I was like, man, I, I feel myself paranoid at times i was <laughs> yeah. like oh shit i no was joke. like what's gonna happen <laughs> and and they did it, they didn't overshadow each other they all worked together it was and the ending uh, i i don't want to say that i hope they don't do a sequel to this because they might fuck it up but <laughs> i like the ending being like this is it yes yeah that's it i i like you know, ambiguous endings. I do yeah too. it's it's not like well, let's when he's like, well, let's just sit here and see what happens, mm-hmm. and then you see a little tentacle come out of the ear or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you know, like it, oh, so it's Mac? No, yeah, it's like oh, it's yeah. him. Then like, oh, shit, and the alien goes but, out and wins. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like a Porky Pig circle, yeah. like it ends. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it leaves it to like, well, you, you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I was telling your sister earlier. I was watching a video uh, about it when we were researching for the show, mm-hmm. and uh, I was reading the comments, and somebody there was talking about the, the comic for it, right? and they were talking about how it was canon and this and that, and somebody was like, no, John Carpenter literally yes. said one of them was mm-hmm. you know, infected. So it's like, well, damn, you know, you're, <laughs> that's, that's great. We don't need this... I'm not. I don't want to say we don't need to see a sequel, mm-hmm. but it's like if you didn't make one, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I think, and they Good. they did make a, yeah. a prequel which had the same title. Uh, yeah, we don't Recently. need to. Okay. Yeah. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never seen it, so I don't know if I need to or if I well, don't. But maybe we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with all that being said, uh, for me, I want to give this movie nine shredded long johns out of 10 and i do really really like the movie like i said i love the movie right watching it again and then the the effects everything was like fucking like holy shit (laughs) because i guess a a bad cgi can ruin a movie Oh, absolutely even if everybody's acting is great and everything is like super cool and the, the story makes sense but if you got some like 
the Scorpion King CGI <laughs> with the rock. Smooth, yeah, shiny oh, monster. No. We <laughs> yeah. don't. It's like, mm, it's like, damn. Yeah, it's like, but this movie was was like, it's it's there, right? Like it's right there. I feel like you guys said pretty much everything. <laughs> um, I just want to shout out the practical effects one more time. Oh my yeah, God. twenty-two uh, years old. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what are we doing wow. with our lives? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing. Uh, it's amazing. It's still amazing today. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. Also, I want to shout out that dog real quick because <laughs> I've never seen a dog act. No, like, yeah. it's, that was it's great. Crazy. So the chemistry of thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, like I said earlier, it's just riveting. No matter how many times you've already seen it, and the look that it gives us into humanity while something is threatening that humanity chef's kiss like i can't it's incredible but not to ramble on on a scale from one to ten shredded long johns i have no choice but to give the thing 10 out of 10 shredded long johns and it deserves every shredded long john (laughs) (laughs) well that's all from us at pod mortem what would you rate the thing and what should we watch next let us know on twitter at the pod mortem don't forget to follow us on instagram and like us on facebook be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Remember, while imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, there is a limit. Until next time. Thank you so much for staying tuned. We want to give a very incredibly, massively huge (laughs) (laughs) thank you to all of our Wendigo Gitter patrons. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you you. very much. Thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Heusden, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., and Gary Fender. We honestly could not tell you how much we appreciate your support and your pledges, and it's incredible. Thank you. Yes, words are not enough, guys. I We sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, you guys can't see us, but we're stacking on top of each other like a giant <laughs> Voltron and Trying to dancing, explain right? how much right. we really appreciate it. We can't it. express it. I mean, after all, you guys did the damn thing hey because <laughs> we just reviewed anyways right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much until next time <laughs>